Welcome to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. I'm Pastor Kristen Stone King. Our mission at Epworth is to live out God's love for all. We strengthen our faith as we worship, study, develop a creative, supportive community, and serve others. Together, we encourage each other, challenge each other, and welcome all people on their journey of faith. We are a reconciling congregation, meaning that persons of all sexual orientations and gender identities are welcomed to help transform our church and our world into the full expression of Christ's inclusive love. We are a sanctuary church, advocating for the rights and dignity of immigrants, and we stand in solidarity with the movement for Black Lives. Our podcast blends a taste of the music that we experience here in worship on Sunday mornings, along with a scripture reading and a message.
again. Um, today's scripture is Genesis 37, verses 1 to 4, along with verses 12 to 28. Jacob settled in the land where his father had lived as an alien in the land of Canaan. This is the story of the family of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was shepherding with the flock with his brothers. He was a helper to the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his brothers' wives, and Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his children because he was the son of his old age, and he had made him a long robe with sleeves. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all of his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. Now his brothers went to pasture their father's flock near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers pasturing the flock at Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. He answered, Here I am. So he went to him, oops, sorry. So he said to him, Go now, see if it is well with your brothers and with the flock, and bring word back to me. So he sent him from the valley of Hebron. He came to Shechem, and a man found him wandering in the fields. The man asked him, What are you seeking? I am seeking my brothers, he said. Tell me, please, where they are pasturing the flock. The man said, They have gone away, for I heard them say, Let us go to do then. So Joseph went after his brothers, and he found him at do then. They saw him from a distance, and before he came near to them, they conspired to kill him. They said to one another, Here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we shall say that a wild animal has devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. But when Reuben heard it, he delivered him out of their hands, saying, Let us not take his life. Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, but lay no hand on him, that he might rescue him out of their hand and restore him to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the long robe with sleeves that he wore, and they took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty, there was no water in it. Then they sat down to eat, and looking up, they saw a caravan, of, a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead, their camels carrying gum, balm, and resin, on their way to carry it down to Egypt. <clears throat> then Judah said to his brother, What profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers agreed.
is the bridge we need to see how our people, our ancestors, moved between Genesis and Exodus. Tune in next week when Joseph gains favor in Egypt and reconciles with his brothers. Also, it will provide the theological lens through which to read the whole Joseph narrative. I know, you're like, needed that theological lens. Give me that, more of that. You got to get a full picture of the workings of God in and through and despite this strife-torn family. It is important to read this story as an explanation of how the family of Jacob and Canaan became the nation of Israel in Egypt. How the blessed family 
became the blessed people who would bless the world, as God promised Abraham in Genesis 12. Joseph is the way God fulfills their dream for their chosen people. Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann suggests that this story may have taken its final form during the reign of Solomon, a time of royal splendor in Israel when everything was going well for God's people. Things had never been better. In that setting, which is important to think about when writing happens, right? What was going on at that time? In that setting, Brueggemann says, people were asking this question. Is God relevant to a social situation where human control seems established and sufficient? In other words, people were getting the iPhone when they asked for the iPhone. Things were working out their way. So who needs God, right? Imagine living in a time like that. I think our present question is, is God relevant to a social situation in which human control has been disestablished and proven to be insufficient? The ways of God are at work regardless of human attitudes and actions. You know that, right? Yes, God is at work regardless of our attitudes and actions. Because if God works just on our own attitudes and actions, I mean, what kind of God is that? Must be bigger, must be greater, must be more than we can ever imagine. Brueggemann says, in the contingencies of history, the purposes of God are at work in hidden and unnatural ways. But the ways of God are nonetheless reliable and will come to fruition, end quote. Consider the viral video of last weekend's brawl on the docks of Alabama's Riverfront Park in Montgomery. Several black men came to the rescue of a black riverboat captain whom a group of white people assaulted after they refused to move their pontoon which he was telling them to do because that was his job. Montgomery, Alabama, the first capital of the failed Confederate States of America. It was one of the largest slave trading communities in our country. Commerce Street, where the enslaved were paraded from what is now known as Riverfront Park to the slave market, was named for a reason. For sale, human beings for sale. Montgomery, Alabama, where focal points of the civil rights movement make us think of Rosa Parks refusing to yield her seat to a white man, where Martin Luther King Jr.'s house was bombed, and it was 50 miles west in Selma where young John Lewis and Hosea Williams led 600 demonstrators on what was supposed to be a peaceful march to Montgomery for voting rights. They were less than a mile into their journey when just after crossing over the Edmund Pettus Bridge, 
They were viciously beaten by law enforcement in what became known as Bloody Sunday. To know that history is to have a better understanding of why a brawl on an Alabama riverfront resonated so deeply with African Americans. Mayor Stephen Reed, the first black mayor in Montgomery, Alabama, said, I do think it speaks to a level of discord that's in the environment, in the atmosphere still around race, not just in Alabama, but again, throughout this country. And there's a lot of work that needs to be done. It does take much for us. It doesn't take much for us to lose the progress made over decades in this country. Journalist April Ryan, when asked to comment on the story, said she thought about being my brother's keeper. She said the black people saw this brother being attacked and said, no, not today. <laughs> this happened a day after a Trump rally in Montgomery. This is happening when we're watching a rise in hate crimes. The people said, I'm not gonna let you hurt this man who's doing his job. And the black people did not stand by. There are consequences to standing by and not helping. God knows what else would have happened concluded April Ryan. God knows, and we do too. What else would have happened? What else is happening daily? That means we don't have the luxury of sitting on the sidelines. What's at stake is not a question about 10 years down the line. This is about what happens this year and next year. Dr. King said, quote, in the end, we remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. We do not have the luxury of being silent on democracy and injustice. Leviticus 19.16, do not stand idly by while your neighbor's blood is shed. For sale, one sister, for sale, one brother, for sale. Let the people of God say, oh, hell no. <laughs> and if you feel really spicy, you might add, not today, colonizer. <laughs> hey, we are people called not to stand idly by. We are people called not to stand idly by. Amen. Amen. Because we are people who seek justice. Love kindness. And walk humbly with our God. And I ask you, what could be more relevant than that? Mm -hmm.
You've been listening to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. Wherever you're located, we'd love for you to take a next step in growing in faith in this community. Our online worship is at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings on Facebook, YouTube, and on our website at epworthberkeley.org. Or you can fill out an online Connect card at epworthberkeley.org backslash connect. Have a great week. I'm no kid in a kid's game did what I did got no one to blame but I don't give up no I don't it's all I got It's my claim to fame I'm no fighter But I'm fighting This whole world seems uninviting, but I don't give up, no, I don't ever give up, I fall down sometimes, sometimes I come up Lying, hey. I 
but it's somewhere Time to forget me But something won't let me Love isn't here, love isn't here But it's somewhere I've cleaned and I washed up this dream I don't ever give up I don't ever give up I don't ever give up